0: We're trying to conduct a serious scientific investigation.
1: Science, logic, reason. Do you
0: have any
2: hard data?
3: Now that's what I call science. Hello, listeners. You're tuned into That's What I Call Science, the weekly radio and podcast show bringing you independent and interesting STEM so that science, technology, engineering, maths, and medicine from Tasmania. This show is supported by Edge Radio, Hobart's premium news station, so head on over to edge.org.au for more information about them. I'd like to begin today's episode by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which we are recording, the Palo and Pakana. We're recording here on Lutwita, but as we are a podcast, we would also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land from where you, our listener, are tuning in from. On behalf of everyone here in the studio, I pay my respects to Elders past and present. My name is Ollie Dove, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Hannah McCleary. Now, today, we actually don't have a guest in the studio with us, but the two of us are stepping out of the studio ourselves. So, Hannah, where are we headed?
4: Thanks, Ollie, and that's right. We're headed to the Centre of Marine Socioecology, aka CMS, for today's episode. Recently, CMS held a showcase day where they brought together lots of researchers, professionals, and students working in marine and coastal systems to discuss the future of our oceans. The day was fantastic and we got to hear from some incredible people. So let's go meet the attendees and hear their thoughts on the day.
3: Can you tell us what's your name, where you've come from or your role or your organisation that you're here representing and what was the main takeaway that you've got so far
5: from the day? Yeah, hello, my name is Claire Mason and I'm a postdoc researcher at CSIRO. And my main takeaway from today is that I suppose from that last session that changing the way we do things, um, transformation, disruption, deeper collaboration, inclusivity really are needed for the future that everyone wants and is working towards. As an early career researcher as well, what would you
3: like the next 20 years to look like with regards to how we manage and integrate science into ocean planning?
5: I think more voices at the table, more people in the conversation, and, yeah, I don't think science necessarily has all the answers and I think that science has a role to play but there's some bigger things out there like traditional knowledge, traditional worldviews, getting the community on board. Yeah, there's a lot more than science that is needed.
1: Uh, it's great to be here. I'm Graham Wood. I'm a philosopher from TAS, uh, UTAS based in Lonnie but coming down for the get day. Uh, I really, really like coming down for the day. It's a great way to sort of meet people. You can meet people sort of online virtually, but there's nothing like sort of just having the ability to sort of spend some time looking people in the eye and saying, oh, yeah, okay, I get it, I get it. 85% of communication is nonverbal, so it's really important to have these events. I think you can, once you've met someone in an event like this, then you can collaborate. But sometimes it's harder to collaborate cold, like a sort of cold call I guess. So being in the same space is really important and it might not be a surprise for you to hear that I think the the biggest value for me for this event is collaboration. The ability of meeting people you wouldn't otherwise meet. You're not in the same building so you're not walking past them in the same corridor. You have the opportunity to have a chat, bounce ideas around, riff off a theme that's come out of a session and then take the conversation wherever it goes.
3: And given that that last session was also on collaboration and brought up lots of these ideas, are there any? Is there anything that you heard today? Any sort of new ways to approach collaboration that you will take forward in your work?
1: Um, what I want—I wanted to ask a question, but you know, we, we're very time pressed. I want to collaborate to ensure social sustainability. One of the themes, although this the, the big picture is often understood as environmental sustainability, some of the themes that were coming through in that last session were, unless the people can sustain themselves, then you can't actually get any other goals. So social sustainability, I think, needs to be foregrounded. And also I think collaborative and honest conversations about how to maintain social sustainability is actually vital.
6: So uh, my name's Katrina McLeod. I'm the interim executive director at IMAS. And, oh, so what are the main things that we think we should be addressing? I think it's the scale of it. I think we need to look at it at the multiple scales, if we're talking about ocean management and planning. um, How do we integrate it across all of those scales? So the the, the, the regional, the local right through to the national and international. Um, We tend to do it quite well in various partitioned areas, but um, we could do with being much more integrated.
7: My name's Alistair Hobday, I work at CSIRO. I work on climate change and also trying to understand what are the adaptation options we can do in response to this rapidly changing climate. It's apparent that climate is touching everything and treating it as a single issue won't be effective. We've got to look at other things like coastal development, offshore wind, if the fishing industry, where that's gonna go in future. Uh, And while as scientists we tend to become an expert in one area, the kind of the CMS discussion today will really show us what people need to work together.
3: And speaking of one areas, your particular expertise often looks at marine heatwaves and Tasmania is a really important place for that sort of work. Can you explain to our listeners why it's such an important place to be studying marine heatwaves?
7: Marine heatwaves are a really big perturbation to the ocean. They shock it, and they shock the people who use it, and they shock the species that are in it. But they're also showing us what that ocean might look like forever in another 20 years. And so marine heatwaves, I would say, offer us a window to the future, and they give us a chance to practise intervention, they give us a chance to practise management changes, and they give people who are having to respond to long-term change a chance to think about what their future is gonna look like. It's a here and now example of the future.
3: Yeah. And- the here and now is a great way to sum up as well because we've just had july and can you tell us what was important about the july that's just passed
7: july for the first time in human history any human anywhere the first time that the world was one and a half degrees hotter than the baseline period that 1.5 degree threshold is what the world has been trying to prevent reaching with things like the paris agreement The fact that we've touched over it for the first time is a significant milestone, but I hope it's not meaning it's a permanent situation. I think we will see it retract from that slightly, but we will continue to bounce over one and a half degrees from now on.
3: Which is a pretty haunting thing to take away from the day. Thank you so much for talking with us.
4: (laughs) So to start off, can you just tell everyone your name, where you're from and what you do?
3: So I'm Beth Fulton.
8: I'm from the CSIRO as my primary uh, role, but I'm also the Deputy Director of the Centre for Marine Socioecology. My day job is as a mathematician who creates versions of the world inside a computer so that we can look at the past but also play forward the future and try and find desirable futures and which bits to avoid. Uh, my bigger role is helping to bring together all the different disciplines to try and find common solutions. Is there anything positive that you can
4: think of that we can express to our listeners about the future and the possibilities for solutions in the future?
8: So I think that there is hope about the future. If you look at any of the major challenges of history, people have found a way through it and we're living at a time where we've got the most understanding we've ever had about how the world works. We've got the most computational capacities. So I'm always really positive that working together will find a solution. Hello, my name is Annabelle, and I am here on behalf of Marine
9: Solutions, who are an environmental consultancy in Hobart. Um, Mostly marine-based, though, so we do a lot of environmental impact assessments and collect a lot of data all over Tasmania, mainly in the coast, but also up in rivers and stuff as well. So, um, yeah, a lot of people that are here and have been presenting are our clients, so it's really cool to see, yeah, everyone come together in one room and talk about it. One thing that I have taken away so far is that I think everybody wants the same thing and I know that we're all really excited about the idea of data sharing because that's something that we're out collecting in the field like every single day and we have so much information for different clients often in the same spaces. It would just be very cool to see everyone come together and I don't know, there needs to be some kind of platform where that is all integrated a bit better I think. Stick with us for part
4: two as we hear from more CMS Showcase attendees about what their key takeaways of the day have been.
9: My name is Kelly. I'm about to finish the undergrad Bachelor of Marine and Antarctic Science. Um, so my key takeaway and my excitement of the day is an understanding of what's out there in Tasmania, what's happening um, with science at corporate, government,
0: NGO, like just exposure to what might be next. Um, hi, I'm Vicki Heinrich. so I'm a Psychological Sciences PhD student at UTAS. Um, So my main thing I'm taking away from it is um, how diverse and really interesting and very interdisciplinary all the research is and some of the different tools and methods used are really interesting. Um, Probably from my personal viewpoint, because I'm obviously interested in human behaviour and we've had a few people mention about, well, it's a human problem, some of these big issues and climate change um, mitigation. So it's probably, well, where's your... Uh, psychologists and um, human behavior research so that would be my other question of how could I fit in as well awesome and is
3: there anything that has changed your mindset on how the next 20 years are going to be looking like or has maybe changed your view on what we should be doing
0: about this um, I think sometimes these days make me a bit more optimistic about can we actually get to two degrees? <laughs> um, i say one and a half degrees is gone, but um, the, yeah, can we get there and how we might? And also um, seeing some social change in terms of early career researchers and how science is funded and how we can support multi-disciplinary projects and research.
3: So, what's your name?
0: My name is Kate Ollerhead.
3: And what do you do or what organisation are you here representing?
0: Uh, I am part of IMAS and I'm a PhD student and I'm looking at the impacts of climate change on school shark physiology.
3: Have there been any major takeaways or something interesting that you've heard today that you haven't come across before?
0: Well, coming from a more biological sciences background and ecological sciences, uh, it's just been pretty fascinating to see what's happening on the social science um, aspect and uh, just sort of the research that's going on over there rather than just looking at shark blood.
6: (laughs) My name is Dr. Valeria Komyakova, I'm a lecturer at the Institute for Marine and Antarctic Studies and I'm also Environmental Change and Adaptation Theme Co-lead for the Center um, of Marine Socioecology and that's what brought me here today.
3: And you gave a fantastic five minute presentation, speed talk about early career ocean professionals. Can you give us the a snapshot run through about what your talk encapsulated? Sure. So I guess part of this session is
6: about talking about building collaborations and building solutions for the challenges that we are going to address into the future. And of course, early career ocean professionals, also known as eCOPS are our future. They're going to take the lead in those projects. So my talk really talks about, well, how do we assure that our early career ocean professionals for starters brought to the table of the discussion and their needs and interests are addressed, but also how do we make sure that we address uh, the challenges they face today, such as short-term contracts and casualization of workforce, as well as necessity for specialized training to address diverse set of skills, not just um, your specific discipline skills and of course uh, building the networks and inclusion in those governing decisions.
3: And obviously it goes without saying that there are a huge range of things that are going to address those situations and make things better in the future, but are there any sort of hot tips or advice that you could give to eCops listening to this about their career going forward? Absolutely. Well, look, it's
6: hard to give advice because there are so many different directions and paths one can take. Some of the great ones I had for me myself, you know, my friends told me, don't worry about what anyone else does, do what you do to the best of your ability, addressing your goals and interests in a sense of don't compete with people, collaborate with people, but don't compete with people. And the other one is get a mentor and not just one mentor, say you're in academia, sure, get an academic mentor, but as an academic, you need to learn the skills that are beyond Academia to be able to collaborate with people from other sectors if we are to co-design solutions. So get a mentor from industry, get a mentor from governance, whatever that is. That's definitely very valuable. And be bold. If they're not letting you to the table, pull up a chair and sit at that table.
8: My name's Karen Manicom. I work for a company called Marine Solutions, which is a small environmental consulting firm. And um, I'm really happy to be here today. I've learned a lot. Um, there's some really engaging speakers and um yeah some good topics i just feel possibly i've really enjoyed it and i've met a lot of interesting people but i feel like we we might need some other people in the room as well some maybe more policymakers people higher up maybe federally that might make decisions about these things so it's not all of us talking to each other but maybe talking a little more widely, yeah. For some of the issues that have been raised today,
3: yeah, that's so true. And as Marine Solutions is environmental consultancy, you must come across some of the things that have been brought up today. But then you can only consult; you can't implement. So, how does that? How does that feel? What is that like? Uh, so yes, that's exactly right. It does,
8: it feels, yeah. Frustrating, I suppose, but it's great to be. Tassie is, Tasmania is great for um, being small and getting to know a lot of the people that are here. Like all these uh, institutions, we all get to know each other pretty well because we see each other at these type of things and we get to work together a fair bit. But you're right; it does feel, yeah, it does feel frustrating to be on the other side of it. Hi, um, I'm Bridget. I'm a PhD student at
10: uh, IMAS with the University of Tasmania Um, and my PhD project is looking at um, socio-ecological tipping points in marine systems. Um, Now we've got
4: a very funky looking game set up in front of us so I'm going to put you on the spot here and see if you can sort of talk us through or talk our listeners through um, what's going on here.
10: Cool, so this is um, The Best Kelp Secrets. It's a game designed by um, the CSIRO and Boho Interactive, which is a group of uh, game designers and um, theater majors and just um, creatives. And what they've done is they've created a model of an east coast of Tasmania town. um, And the players get to sort of create the town and they represent households within the town and then they are moved through um, a series of games um, within the game, and um, get to play out different scenarios and sort of guide the town um, into the future, uh, four years into the future, um, and then see what sort of scenario they they end up in, um, and that then um, generates sort of discussion about yeah that collective vision for the future. So yeah, there's um, a couple of games that represent the health of the um, the kelp reefs along the East Coast. There's also a social side of things, so people get to vote on um, household issues and and how they like to tackle that. And then there's also um, a little model within the the game that represents a tipping point, and that sort of shows people um, how that actually can work within the the space of a town. Um, Yeah, so the idea is to take this up to the East Coast of Tasmania and, and present it to communities and get their thoughts on what they want for the future. Stick with
4: us for part three as we head to the post-showcase social drinks and chat with some more CMS guests about the day. So my name is Sree
11: Hoon Chua. I'm a professor of behavioural economics. and the director of the Tasmanian Behavioural Lab at UTES.
3: Wonderful. And if you could summarise the talk that you gave to us earlier, what did you speak about? Yes, so today we were
11: talking about... Um, climate change and sustainability. And I came from the point of view of behavioral economics and how that can be a tool to come up with solutions to tackle these issues. Because all these issues have their root in human behavior. And so behavior change is important. And behavioral insights is a way of understanding why people do what they do. And when we understand that, we can come up with
3: solutions to solve, you know, those issues that have their root in behaviour. Yeah, absolutely. And was there anything that you heard from another speaker or from an interaction with someone that was really impactful and helped you see things from a totally different viewpoint? Yes, I, I'd always thought about this issue
11: as very sciencey, but uh, today I came to realise that was very um, it's a lot of emotions involved in it as well and I was particularly struck when people talked about how anxiety can cause us to um, panic and not act and how hope can be the, um, the motivator for us to stand up and take action. So I was actually uh, quite um, taken by that concept that, uh, that we gotta have hope. So in addition to all the scientific advancements and innovation that we are obviously already doing.
12: I think hope is actually very important, and that's what I got from today. My name is Kimberly Aiken, and I'm a PhD student at IMAS, UTES. Uh, My PhD focuses on um, diversity and inclusion in extreme and remote workforce environments. And from today's uh, CMS showcase event, what stood out to me, um, something that was particularly said at the end, I think Greta started it off about Talking about that it's a process. And then Karen at the end started talking about distress. And the thing that came to me at that very moment was the discipline of psychology. And I thought about as a person who prides herself a lot in mental health, well-being, and you know, talking with my own psychotherapist that I've had of three years. I just thought about how we all have an individual process that we're gonna go through, we're grappling with climate change and all the effects that we just see globally happening in the world. And it reminded me of like individual journeys, like healing journey. So we all have an individual process, we all have an individual journey, but then we all have a journey that we're going on collectively. And I think that is essentially kind of like a healing journey actually. Um, you know, as a, as a human race and then just globally, like through an, from an environmental perspective, there's a lot of healing that has to happen in the environment and there's a lot of healing that has to happen within ourselves as well. So that was something that resonated with me and stood out for me, um, particularly at the end of today.
2: My name is Liam Fulbrook. Uh, my role is, well, I, I'm a CMS member, but I am part of the Utah School of Social Sciences. And then I'm, I guess I'm loosely affiliated with IMAS and CSIRO through supervisory people. My main takeaway today has probably been the role of CMS as the kind of guiding ship in kind of change or meaningful change for the future in terms of not just climate policy, but ocean policy. Um, my background is very broad, but I, the last my PhD was in Ocean policy, And so I think my takeaway was how we can guide future policy with our transdisciplinary and interdisciplinary expertise in CMS.
3: Awesome. And given that your PhD was in policy, you'd be completely over a lot of the things that were said today or that were brought up. But was there anything that you haven't anything that was said today that you hadn't heard before or was a new take on a topic that you thought you knew everything about?
2: Uh, yeah, I guess the, the depth of the behavioral change stuff and the effect that that can have on not just individual change and community change and stakeholder change, but how that can proliferate and filter up through society and, and, and then influence our policies for the future, not just in terms of democracy or voting for new politicians, but um, you know future student, like small kids in curious climates being super engaged in climate change and being almost the voice of our generation through their discontent with the current, with what we're currently doing.
9: Um, hi, I'm Dr. Rachel Kelly, and I am the Knowledge Broker for the Centre for Marine Sociology. And I've been involved with the CMS almost since the very beginning. So I was one of the first PhD students and I started in 2016, so I was part of the first cohort of PhD students, so it was just five of us. And I think there's almost 40 now, which is amazing. And We've had so many people graduate in that time, so that was 2016, and now it's 2023. That was seven years ago, and I'm very old.
3: <laughs> I don't think that's old at all. So speaking of today, you were one of the speakers, and you were in the... Calling it the emotional segment probably sounds wrong, but it did bring up a lot of emotions because it was about climate anxiety and how to look after ourselves working in this area. Can you summarise your five-minute presentation down to a minute or so for our listeners?
9: Yes, so the whole session was basically about acknowledging our climate grief and anxiety. And so we're all working in this space of ocean and climate change and we're seeing the changes and a lot of it is really bad. And so the whole premise behind that session was how do we keep going and how do we keep going constructively and optimistically when you know doom and gloom is your day job, you know? I'm really grateful that we held space for that because I think we talk a lot about these are our challenges like biodiversity loss, climate change, overpopulation, marine pollution. We know what the problems are, but you ask people to define solutions and there's lots of shoulds and they need to and we must and very hard to kind of action it and it leaves us in this fuzzy space of we're, we have a lot to carry um, but we don't know how to carry it so I think pretty much that's what the session was about. Um, I probably spun it as very negative but we, we brought it around really positively about what people do individually and collectively to remind themselves of what they do. Um, like, why they do what they do, like whether it's immersing in nature or, or connecting with people or, you know, taking into account all of the great work that is being done and what we are already achieving to combat climate change. Um, and, and also, like, what, what we can take, lot lessons we can share to build our teams to be more resilient um, and, I guess, more climate positive. Um, we're not, I'm not giving a positive spin on climate change, but just you know, seeing that there are opportunities for us and it's not all doom and gloom and and we can make a difference.
3: Absolutely, and that's a great and positive way to end the interview on, the very mini interview. So thank you so much. And there we have it folks, that was the Centre for Marine Socioecology Showcase Day 2023. Thank you so much for joining us and I hope you could take something away about where the future of our oceans are and what we as individuals can do about it or how we can engage more as things progress. Thanks so much for tuning in today to That's What I Call Science as we love bringing you STEM related content and really hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you love the show, you can get in touch with us by searching That's What I Call Science or That Science Tans" on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter. My name is Ollie Dove and I'd like to thank my co-host Hannah McCleary for joining me at the showcase today and to all of our Centre for Marine Socioecology guests. We hope you all have a wonderful week. This program was made possible with support from the Community Broadcasting Foundation. Find out more at cbf.org.au That's What I Call Science is brought to your station and across the nation via the Community Radio Network. You can find the show at all major podcast streaming services and find out more about us from our social media channels. Make sure you like and subscribe to keep up with all the exciting science, technology, engineering, maths and medicine research in Lutruita, Tasmania. This show is supported and strengthened by EDGE Radio, so head over to edgeradio.org.au for more information about them. Thanks for tuning in today, and may your week be STEMtastic.